Largemouth Buck Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Largemouth Buck Podcast. Today is October 2nd, and my, 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 I am so excited because it is officially deer season here in my home state of Indiana. Today, I wanted to talk about whitetail hunting for beginners, just getting started. We're going to talk about all the gear that you need to get started if you're looking to get into hunting whitetail deer. But first, let's talk about Brunt workwear. I just picked up a pair of the Brunt insulated mock toe work boots. Now, I did not get the steel toe because I intend to wear these during hunting season. I've been wearing these things uh, since for some early season scouting, and I absolutely love them. For the price point, I just I absolutely love them. And Brunt offers you a 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied with their products, so you cannot go wrong there. If you're looking for a pair of work boots or hunting boots, get yourself some Brunt boots. I love these things, and it, it seems like they're going to hold up for many seasons to come. All right, let's get right into it. So you're looking to get into hunting whitetail, but you don't know where to start. I get it. It can be extremely intimidating if you were not raised on hunting or you or you have never been around someone uh, to take you hunting or to just kind of show you the ropes. If you don't know any deer hunters, it's, it's extremely difficult. And like I said, it's extremely intimidating, you know, walking into a bow shop or a gun store or just wherever and kind of starting with a clean slate, not knowing anything. So that's what we're going to kind of touch on today. This is for somebody who you really want to get into it, but you really don't know where to start. The first thing you want to do is get your local hunting and trapping guide. That is going to have all your rules and regulations inside there, and you want to become familiar with that 100%. There are all kinds of little rules and regulations that uh, really would surprise you, you know, like... For instance, my home state, you know, during gun season, there are uh, only certain caliber firearms that you can use on public ground versus uh, versus private ground. Um, and then in, in recent years, some of those calibers have actually changed where they've legalized new calibers that you can actually hunt with on public that used to be outlawed on public. So uh, definitely get your hunting and trapping guide and get familiar with your rules and regulations you know some for instance some states you can bait all the way through the season in my home state i believe it's two weeks before the season opener you have to have that bait out of the woods some states don't allow trail cameras some states allow, allow trail cameras all year long so these are the little things you need to get familiar with um next i would say you know you're 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 obviously this is a whitetail podcast you're looking to hunt whitetail um are you you know someone with uh private property is that where you're looking to hunt are you looking to hunt public property familiarize yourself with that where where do you have access to hunt also what kind of weapon are you looking to hunt with are you looking to hunt with a compound bow, a crossbow, traditional archery equipment? Now, I would tell you 100% if you're a new hunter, I would not look at hunting with traditional archery equipment unless you have already been, you know, target shooting and competition shooting with that traditional archery equipment for a while. Um, I would say you definitely want to start with a compound bow or maybe even a crossbow if that is allowed in your state to get into it a lot of people start at a young age you know gun hunting with their dad or whatever it may be and that's one thing i was fortunate enough that my dad has always deer hunted and he kind of showed me the ropes from the beginning i started off with a really old late 1980s fred bear compound bow that was probably way too big for me i was shooting these giant 
aluminum arrows. This thing was super loud. Had it turned all the way down to 35 pounds uh, because in the state of Indiana, your bow, you have to at least have be pulling back uh, 35 pounds of weight. That's got to be your draw weight in order to, you know, legally go hunt a deer with that weapon. So what weapon are you looking to use? Um, whatever you decide on, make sure that you go out and you practice, practice, practice with that weapon before you take it to the field. The last thing you want is to get an opportunity and then wound that animal. Trust me, I've been doing this for a long time and it still happens. It still happens to the best of us. Uh, just this past year, I missed a pretty darn good buck at probably 15 or 20 yards with my shotgun. Pretty embarrassing. I'm not sure if the scope got bumped or what happened, but pretty, pretty embarrassing. I, I have a lot more luck, honestly, with my archery equipment than I do with firearms because I just pick up the firearms to get out there with everybody else. And I was hunting a property that you got drawn to hunt it with firearms and you actually weren't allowed to hunt this property with your bow, which was kind of crazy. It was firearm only. I would have been much more comfortable in that tree with my compound bow. So once you've got the weapon figured out, as I said, make sure you practice, 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 make sure that is a legal weapon for whatever property you are hunting. For instance, there's a, a local piece near me that is public and it's obviously archery only until the firearm season comes in. You can shoot whatever you want with your archery equipment as long as you have the tags for it. And then once firearm season comes in, it is a buck only property. You are not allowed to shoot any does off of this state property. It's a fish and wildlife area that's pretty close to my house. So like I said, you just have to know these things. And then whatever your rules and regulations guide says, uh, some of the properties have their own little different rules. So you wanna get familiar with that. And then you have like big national properties for instance, Hoosier National Forest to my south, it's kind of uh, everything for that property is pretty much in the rules and regulations book. Um, the only thing with that, if you were like using a bicycle for access, there's some mountain bike trails that you have to have a, a pass, like a $5 pass in order to put your bike on those trails. But anyways, moving on, practice, practice, practice with your equipment. Um, next thing, what I'm going to do here, guys, is just give you the essentials that you need to get started. So now you've established what kind of property you're hunting. Um, how are you going to hunt? Are you going to try to hunt from the ground? That's totally possible. I do not recommend that to a brand new hunter. If you've got some private property and you can put up a blind and you know it's going to be safe there and not get tampered with or stolen, I would totally recommend that if you were going to hunt from the ground but starting out um, if you're hunting especially with archery equipment you want to be elevated it gives you a big advantage you know you don't want to be down there at eye level with a deer trying to draw your bow or, or moving around now with a gun it's totally different because you can reach out there and touch them but with for instance, a traditional archery, uh, a longbow or a recurve or a compound, it's a lot more challenging to shoot a deer from the ground than it is when you're elevated. You can get away with a lot more when you're up above their line of sight. But like I said, if you're new to this, I would 100% look at getting elevated. Now there's all kinds of options for tree stands. If you have the private property, you can set up a permanent stand there and leave that for as long as you want. In my home state, if you set up a permanent stand, like a ladder stand or a lock-on stand, you have to have, you can set it up, I wanna say like a month out from the opener. It may be a little later, maybe a little sooner. I don't really use them much, so um, I use a mobile system. Um, but you, then you have to have it out like a month when the season's over. So like I said, that all that stuff's gonna be in your rules and regulations book. Make sure you read that thing front to back, at least when it comes to the deer hunting section. So you gotta choose your method. 
there are all kinds of different things. I started out with a, it's called a Loggy Bayou uh, uh, climbing tree stand. And so that thing would, I'd set it up every time I would hunt. I'd set it up at the base of the tree. I took, it's got like a big uh, metal band that goes around the back of the tree and then it hooks back onto the platform. There was a bungee cord that would go around my heels and I would actually hug the tree with my arms, you know, bear hug it. And then I would uh, point my toes down and pull that thing up probably a foot or 18 inches and then uh, re-bite and stand up and, and re-grab the tree. One thing you want to make sure you always have if you are hunting elevated is a safety harness. You, you want to make sure from the moment you start climbing that tree that you are connected to that tree. It, guys, it's just not worth it. Trust me, it is just not worth falling out of a tree, having an accident. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. Equipment fails, things happen. Make sure you have a good safety harness. Now, the way that I hunt uh, today is, is with sticks and a saddle. So I carry in three sticks with what are called aiders. That allows me to get higher those aiders actually hook onto the climbing sticks and, and dangle beneath them and it acts as essentially another ladder step i take three and then i have a tiny little platform that i hook onto the tree and then i hang from what's called a saddle mine is uh it's made out of material like you can imagine what a seatbelt in a car is made out of mine's what's called a two panel so i can adjust the distance like i can have the top panel on my lower back the bottom panel underneath my butt I can get in a bunch of different positions and be extremely comfortable since I started hunting with a saddle I can't imagine going back to a stand at all now, I know a lot of guys also use climbing sticks and then they set up a stand that seems like a decent option too but just make sure you do your research first there's some guys that are still carrying in like the big summit climbers the big two-piece climbers and those are great. Uh, I've heard that the summits are extremely comfortable. Also, if you're just looking to get something and you don't have a lot of money, you might just jump on like a Facebook marketplace or something like that, or maybe go to your local archery shop and tell them, hey, I'm, in the, I'm looking to get into hunting. I need a, a stand, what have you. And maybe, you know, that they know somebody that's got one for sale. But Facebook marketplace, you can normally find find some that are in pretty good shape make sure if you get like an older climber or a summit or whatever it is a lone wolf i've also got a lone wolf hand climber that i switched to for a couple years before i discovered uh the saddles and just make sure you watch a good tutorial if whoever you're buying it from doesn't have time to show you how it all works make sure you just get on youtube or wherever get a google search you know how to use a summit climber or how to use the lone wolf hand climber whatever it is because i know the first time i took that lone wolf hand climber out i did not understand how to do it and it was extremely awkward and i hated it i i thought i i thought i could figure it out i, I practiced with it once and i was like god oh, this seems bad but surely i'll get used to it i took it out the first time it was absolutely terrible i ended up you know, I was just stubborn. I, I should have searched how to use it. Once I watched the tutorial, I felt like a total idiot because I was just, my hand placement was wrong and that's all it was. I was extending my arms when I should have been bent at the elbows and it completely changed the game. And I ended up uh, loving that tree stand, like I said, up until I got the saddle. Now. The reason, main reason I switched to the saddle is because you can get, well, it's not just a saddle. If you hunt with climbing sticks and a saddle or stand that you can set up, uh, it's you can get in a way bigger variety of trees. So now, before when I had uh, the, the loggy and the lone wolf, you pretty much have to, you're, you're out in the woods and you're always looking for a tree that looks like a telephone pole. It needs to be straight, no big branches. Now, on private land, you can cut those limbs off, you know, 
if you find a tree you like in a good location, you can cut limbs and then you can climb it no problem. But uh, I hunt 99% public land. It was actually, I hunted 100% public land until this year. I got my first uh, private property permission. So, but on the public, you are not allowed to cut down trees or cut down limbs. And so the climbing with the sticks makes it a lot nicer because you can climb around limbs and branches and get get past them and get above them and it just it gives you so many more options i still find myself in the woods i hunted for so many years with those climbers that i still find myself looking for those trees that look like telephone poles but you don't need that at all i've found over the years my favorite type of tree to hunt in is a like an immature white oak it's got a low canopy and I can tuck myself up in there. They hold their leaves deep into the fall and I can really get in there and, and feel nice and hidden and I can get away with a lot more movement if I'm in a, an immature white oak. <coughs> so like I said, make sure however you decide to hunt, whether that's out of a blind, if you're on you know, private, public, uh, blind, whether you choose to go ahead and jump right into a saddle climber whatever you use just make sure you do your research and find the stand that's best for you but I would definitely I, I love being mobile once you get good with your setup I mean you can get it set up so quick and going in with the saddle and sticks is so lightweight it's so compact I can literally be in a hunt and if I see something going on and I need to jump down and move know I could do that in a timely fashion and ex an extreme and be extremely quiet as well versus a big bulky climber you're banging around you're making noise it's loud as you go up it's loud as you come down um, the, the lone wolves are not that way you can be pretty quiet with the lone wolves but I know all the guys I've ever hunted with in the past when they go in with the summit they'll be however far away from me in the morning and I'll be up quiet and I can just hear them over there climbing up their tree super loud and I'm like well they're probably boogered up most of the morning for us so you got your you picked out your weapon whether you're hunting with archer equipment gun uh, gun what, whatever it may be you got your stand or your blind or you're just gonna hunt from the ground with a gun whatever it is now you uh, have to think about uh, what kind of clothing do you want now guys you don't have to have just just trust me when I say this you do not have to have a thousand or two thousand dollars in your outfit these big brands that are out there now are extremely extremely expensive and you do not need them trust me trust me trust me I've I've owned pretty much every brand of camo and now don't get me wrong the the more expensive stuff when you're looking at the merino wools and the stuff like that it definitely helps but you can get the cheaper outer layer in like a mossy oak or a real tree and you can do the merino wool base layers of an off brand for instance there's one i like i believe it's called icebreakers They've got different thickness merino wools and you can get them for a pretty good deal on uh, like Amazon. And you can just wear those as your base layer and then go with the cheaper camouflage as your outer layer. You can get it used. You can find camouflage at Goodwill. You can find it on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, you can find deals online and get it you know, 40% off, whatever. You do not have to have the high-end stuff, trust me. But I, I do like having camouflage I do think it helps it helps break you up um, I I'm not dead set on any one brand now I do wear some of the higher end stuff um, just because when you end up falling in love with hunting and it becomes an obsession like it has for me you don't mind dumping money into it I mean it's really my my favorite thing my favorite time of year is the fall and deer season and it's some would call it a hobby but i i look at fishing for me as a hobby 
it's a hobby to kill time until it's deer season. So deer season is really, it's when it comes to anything, you know, other than hanging out with my family, doing stuff with the wife and kids, it's just, I'm 100 for There's nowhere else I would rather be than in a tree in the fall. So I don't mind, you know, dumping some money into my gear. Um, but you don't have to do it all at once, trust me. Like, you're gonna look at uh, different backpacks and stuff. And nowadays, for these big brands, you can't find a backpack under $200. And that's just absurd. It blows my mind the prices that these guys are paying for their gear. I am still running a $30. Uh, it's a big backpack that I got at Walmart years ago. It's the brand's field line. It's It's got like a top flap, a lot of storage space inside. I'm able to hook my platform uh, to the back of the backpack. It's got some straps that were already on it that cinch down. My sticks lay right under that top flap and I cinch them down and then I got put my saddle on, put that backpack on, got my bow in my hand, and I'm ready to roll. Literally $30 pack. Um, you can also find, if you look up like tactical backpacks on Amazon, there's some pretty good options there. That doesn't necessarily have to be camouflaged. You can go like a Coyote Brown. You can go uh, like an Olive Drab Military Green. You can go brown. It's going to be sitting right up against the tree. It's not going to stick out like a sore thumb if it's kind of an earth tone color. A gray backpack is totally fine. You just want something that's going to work for your setup. Now, when I was here, if you end up going with a climber, bungee cords are your best friend. Or there's like the, I think it's called Night Eyes is the brand, but it's these gear ties. I run like three big orange gear ties, and I, I use that to put my sticks on my hips as I climb my sticks and my platform but you can if you end up going with a climber the way that I used to run my loggy and my lone wolf is I would have that and then I would have some bungee cords and I would uh, run those bungee cords across the, the climber and then I would cram my backpack down underneath those bungee cords and then if it was getting colder and I had like coveralls or uh, some thicker overalls and jacket, I'd also cram that under those bungee cords too. That way I could carry it in separately and not get super hot on the walk to the stand. These are all little things that you're gonna kinda, little kinks you're gonna work out as you get into hunting and get out in the field. You're gonna find things like, oh, that was kinda clunky, I don't like that. What can I do to mitigate that? or what can I do differently here? And then once you get your system set up uh, and tinker with it, and get, you're gonna get to where you can get in, get comfortable, get set up nice and quiet. Um, yeah, so so just do, do what you need to do with the camouflage. One thing that I like that's important to me um, when it comes to clothing um, is, I like to have a good pair of socks. I like to have a good pair of merino wool socks. My feet tend to get really sweaty, especially if I, it's later season and I got like thick neoprene rubber boots on or whatever the, the case is. I just, my feet tend to sweat. So I love having merino because it does a great job at wicking that moisture away from your body and uh, keeping you from being too wet. And then you end up getting cold, obviously, if it's cold outside when you're wet. So good pair of socks is one of my most crucial things when it comes to uh, garments but I have I have totes and totes full of garments in my garage for deer season I ended up just taking a giant trash bag of gear that I wore for years to Goodwill because I just it just sat and sat and sat and I was like hey you know maybe somebody else can use this I would have loved to have put it on Facebook and I probably could have got a couple hundred dollars for it all, but I just didn't want to fool with it. So your weapon, your method of hunting, whatever that is, tree stand, blind, just straight up hunting from the ground, um, other essentials you need, you know, like I said, your clothing is crucial. Um, you're going to want to probably have different gloves for different season. Now, 
like I said, I said, you know, you need camouflage. I do like it to break you up, but it's not a necessity. There's a lot of guys that hunt in like earth tone colored flannels. Um, your gloves don't have to be like camouflage. You can go out with a pair of brown gloves. You just need earth tones. Now the camo does help break you up, but it's not a necessity. I mean, back in the day, the old timers would wear, you know, flannels and blue jeans and you can it's to, that's totally doable i mean there's there's it's not a one size fits all you will find what works for you and what doesn't but anything that's an earth tone color green gray black brown it's you're gonna be just fine uh so but you, you want to make sure you have all the stuff depending on where you live obviously in florida you're not going to need to have all the layers and the garments and the and the heavy gloves and the heavy hat and, and all that stuff but one more thing I will say, whatever you plan on wearing during deer season, make sure you practice shooting with it, whether it's with your firearm, your bow, whatever. So for instance, with a compound bow, there are a couple different styles of releases. Uh, you want to make sure that you practice with whatever gloves you're going to be wearing, whatever hat you're going to be wearing. If you're going to wear a face mask, that's that's why I normally choose to paint my face it's just because I don't want I normally I have a type of face mask that I can drop down I don't want that face mask up around me because I have a kisser button on my bowstring that goes right in the corner of my lip and I don't want anything interfering with that so I have you know my my face painted and I normally have that mask up but then if, I, if a deer is coming in I'll drop that mask down and it'll be down below my chin where it's all out and away from my face a lot of times too I, I like to shoot if it's early season and I've got a hat on a lot of times I'll turn it backwards just because I don't want that bill of my hat interfering with anything I would uh, a lot of guys I see them with their like binocular harness on their chest I feel like that interferes with me a lot. I've never practiced with my binos on my chest, so I never hunt with my binos on my chest. A lot of times I'll walk in with them there just because it's convenient, um, especially if I'm evening hunting and I want to glass up a field or something on the walk-in, I'll, I'll have my binos right there handy, but I normally end up hanging them on the tree in front of me in their case, and then I just grab them as needed. I like to have the least amount of stuff on me as possible when it comes to taking a, a shot with my bow. But like I said, make sure you're practicing with whatever garments you're gonna be wearing because you don't wanna in the moment, especially you have a nice buck come in and you're in the moment and something happens, you know, you, you got a bulky glove on and you grab that release and you're three quarters of the way pulled back and you bump the trigger and now your arrow flies, the buck's gone, and your heart's broken. Trust me, I've had my mishaps, and it was because of just things like that that I didn't do. It's the little things. You can never be too, uh, you can never be too cautious, and you can never overthink the little things like that. So make sure you're practicing whatever you're shooting with the gear you intend on wearing to hunt. Um, let's see what else do you absolutely need there are all kinds of gimmicks out there and trust me for years and years and years I got sold on a lot of them the cover scents uh, the deer lures just all these different things you don't have to have any of it once you learn now don't get me wrong there were times when I, I drug in a scent drag with some uh, dominant buck uh, tarsal scent on it and a doe and estrus on it and i literally had bucks come to the base of my tree you know following this scent drag never did i have a, a good big mature buck do that it was normally always smaller bucks um but they just kind of i hate it i hate to say this but a lot of those companies are just preying on like the less experienced hunters that are just looking for something to give them that that edge that that slight edge and a lot of it is not needed a lot of it does not work trust me when you get started you just want to get in the woods spend a lot of time in the woods you can learn so much on YouTube now when it comes to getting started I don't want to get too deep into that right now I just want to talk about gear you need when you're getting started deer hunting 
I'm I'm gonna do another podcast very soon on just deer hunting tips and tactics for beginners. So we'll dive into that in one of these next episodes here coming up. But for right now, I'm gonna stick with gear. So you've read your rules and regulations. You've got your weapon. Um, and I and I will tell you if you're on the fence, you don't know whether you're gun you're gonna gun or bow hunt. Say you don't. You only got enough money to buy either a gun or a bow this year. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I would go bow 100%. If you want to go crossbow to start out with, that's great as long as it's legal in your state. But uh, there's just having a compound bow in your hand, there's just there's nothing like it. Pretty much everywhere that I'm aware of, the season is a lot longer. So you're going to have a lot more chances to hunt. And then on top of that, for instance, I, when it's gun season, a lot of times I'm out there with my bow still. Like you're still allowed to hunt with that during firearm season. So I just like the bow because it extends your season and there's nothing better than putting yourself at close range with an animal. It's just, it's night and day difference. Reaching out and shooting a deer at a hundred yards with a gun is just, it's just nothing like shooting one with a bow. I've got a pretty decent amount of deer on the wall, and only one of those was a, a, a deer I shot with a shotgun. My first ever buck, a, a little nine-pointer, and he was probably 40 yards. And trust me, it's just—it's not the same as shooting one with a bow. It's not—it doesn't even compare. So, I would recommend going with a bow practice 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 pretty much every archery shop that's worth anything at all is going to get you set up and you should be able to uh, get sighted in and they'll get you all set up there and you'll be ready to go but like i said practice 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 if you can if you're gonna hunt elevated make sure you are practicing from your tree stand that helps a lot if you can find somewhere that you can at least get elevated it doesn't necessarily have to be from your tree stand if you can get on your roof if you can just be elevated that way you can simulate taking an actual shot uh, that that definitely helps it helps too to have if you can find someone else that is an archery hunter or maybe you and your buddy can start this deer hunting journey at the same time definitely helps if you're going elevated to have someone else there because you can have a rope you can shoot whatever five ten shots they can grab all your arrows out of the target hook it onto that rope and you can pull up rather than having to climb down go collect your arrows and then go climb back up to shoot again and then you guys can kind of rotate like that and it just makes it a lot more convenient and you can get a lot more shots in in the amount of time allotted uh let's see other than camo um there's nothing else I can really think that you need. You have to have either a stand, a blind, a weapon, uh, obviously your license. You got to have your deer tags. So like in my home state, you can buy, there's so many different tags you can buy, but the best bang for the buck is going to be, we have one called the bundle and that's going to be three tags, one buck, two does for any season. So I can use that thing for archery. If I use the crossbow, it covers that. If I use a muzzleloader, it covers that. If I use a shotgun, it covers that. It covers all seasons, three deer. Uh, either three antlerless or one antler and two antlerless. So that's good because once you have it, you're just covered. I always buy that. And then I also buy one uh, for a reduction zone tag. We have different zones around the state where uh, you can hunt and you can actually start September 15th and then it runs to January 31st and you can shoot, you can actually earn a second buck tag if you shoot an antlerless deer in there. Then we have also other tags, it's like a, a military refuge tag. There's certain hunts you can put in for through the Department of Natural Resources and you can get drawn to go hunt uh, state parks, you can get drawn to go hunt military bases. Uh, wildlife refuges, things of that nature. So make sure you have the proper tags for the season. So tags, weapon, uh, stand or blind or hunting from the ground, whatever method you choose. Like I said, you definitely want to start off elevated in my in my opinion. 
um, your camouflage definitely obviously this kind of falls into that uh, garment category but a good pair of boots you want to have a good pair of boots once you get start getting serious you're going to be able to once you figure the deer out you're going to be able to you're going to be able to get on some does and some small bucks and you're not going to have to walk that far you know once you find where they're eating where they're bedding a lot of times you don't have to walk that far but once you start getting serious into it there's sometimes you're going to have to get off the beaten path and do some major walking to get into get into some big buck territory so good pair of boots is always key i used to only hunt with rubber boots now i'm, I'm more towards i like something that's comfortable that i can go a long distance in I will break out the thick neoprene rubbers in the winter or if I'm crossing a, a small shallow creek, but really you can get away with a small shallow creek in a good pair of hiking boots and a decent pair of uh, gaiters. I've got a pair of first light gaiters that I'll throw over hiking boots and they seem it seems to keep the water out pretty well. Normally the boots are waterproof up to a certain extent, but it's like those gaiters just help keep that water out even more so uh, like keen hunting boot or keen uh, hiking boots there's all different kind of hiking boots that you can wear but just a good pair of hiking boots um, another thing so, you know this is back to kind of the gimmicks I was talking about is like scent control some guys swear by it some guys don't care about it at all and only play the wind now obviously deer have amazing an amazing nose so i'm kind of on like i feel like you can't ever really cover your scent a deer is gonna smell your cover scent and then you also that's how good their noses are i used to not hunt the wind and i used to not have very much success once I started hunting the wind, my success rate has went up exponentially. Now, I do still try to cover my scent the best I can because you can get cover scents for pretty cheap, so it's like, why not? And I also personally love the smell of, I think it's like Hunter, Hunter Specialties makes these scent wafers. I love hanging a fresh earth scent wafer in my truck from the rear view mirror during hunting season. I love the way it smells. It smells outdoorsy. They've got uh, pine scented cover scents. Like I like putting that stuff in my truck as an air freshener during hunting season just because I love the smell of it. I love the smell of the cedar. I love the smell of the fresh earth. Definitely not a necessity, but something I like to do just because I like how it smells. Um, I would definitely recommend learning to play the wind. That is crucial. Um, one thing for me that I would say is definitely a necessity is being able to check the wind. I use something called milkweed. Milkweed, the weeds produce these bulbs that have the seeds in them. And you can find them pretty much growing off the side of the road anywhere in the Midwest. It's these big green bulbs. And when you bust them open, there's all these little, uh, it almost looks like if you shredded a cotton ball and they got seeds connected to the bottom. And there are freaking thousands of these inside one of these bulbs. They are just compact, tied in there. Trust me, when you get one dried out and you bust it open, these things expand and go everywhere. But I always keep those in a little bitty container and I can check the wind as I hunt. As I'm walking in, as I'm sitting, I can see what the thermals and stuff like that is doing. Now, if you're new to deer hunting, don't, and I know you're probably going what is he talking about thermals we will start to get into that stuff in later episodes um, but it's just that that wind detection is huge knowing which way that wind's blowing if you think the deer are going to be coming from uh, if, or, or if you think they're going to be coming from this cornfield in the morning and you get out there and you're supposed to have the right wind you know blowing away from that cornfield and you throw that milkweed out and it's blowing towards the cornfield you know over the years i've learned don't don't sit there get out of there go find a different area to hunt that morning hunt then come back there when the wind is right you think you can beat a deer's nose you're not going to be able to 
and that milkweed has helped me so much in knowing what my scent is actually doing when I'm in the woods. So that for me is definitely a necessity. Uh, now you get into the other smaller stuff that you don't have to have, but it, it can definitely help, such as like a rangefinder. To, to, I normally don't try to use a rangefinder as the deer is coming in, but I will use my rangefinder to get distances on different trees uh, that are all around me, so I know, okay, he comes to there, he comes close to that tree, that tree's 30. Oh, he comes close to that tree, that tree's 18. Oh, that tree out there's 42. I do use it for that purpose. Now, a rangefinder is not a necessity. If you practice enough from an elevated position, you're gonna be get pretty comfortable knowing what distances are what. I mean, I'm pretty good at once something gets within 20 yards, I know, you know, what 20 yards looks like from an elevated position. And I don't necessarily need that rangefinder at all for anything under 20, 25 yards. Um, binoculars definitely not an essential i like to have them just because if i see something in the distance and i can't tell what it is i can put those binos up and kind of get a better better view a lot of the areas i hunt i don't even need my binos because it's so thick i can't see past 50 or 60 yards most places i'm hunting now once once fall gets into full swing and we lose our all of our leaves that does change and i do like to always have my binoculars on me um, let me think, what else? Depends on how long you're going out. You definitely you want to have a drink, some bottled water, maybe a snack, some jerky, something to keep your, keep your mind up. Now, I personally like to go out and in the fall when I'm going on an all-day sit. I normally don't take any snacks. I like something about me likes to be out. It's weird, I know, but I've got this weird saying. And I, I live by it, but a hungry hunter is an accurate shot. And I just feel like when I'm hungry, fasting, if you will, my senses are heightened, I'm dialed in, I'm, I'm uh, just more aware. And when I'm out there, I don't really think about food. It's just, it's not really on my mind. So, but every now and then I will take some snacks. I'll take an apple, maybe a banana. Just make sure it's something quiet. Make sure you got it in a, if you take it in a bag, that it's a bag that you can open and close quietly. Um, let's see. Necessities, essentials. I think for the most part, that does it. Now, there's little things that you may not be thinking about that obviously you have to have. You have to have some kind of rope or string that you can pull your bow or gun up with after you climb. So for instance, I get to the tree, I get all set up, I lay my bow down, I, uh, I hook this string with this little carabiner around the limbs of my bow, I, that, that string hangs off my hip, I climb up, I hurry up and get set up what I need to get set up, but my first priority is to hurry up and get that bow up there with me because you, you just, once you're in the woods, you never know what can happen. Now, if, most of the time in the morning, I'm in there early enough that I have enough time to get set up and situated and I don't necessarily have to worry, you know, about getting that bow up as quick, but I still, I still try to hurry up and get my, uh, I've got like this belt and it's got all these plastic hooks on it and I hurry up and that's normally the first thing I put on my tree so I can get my bow up, get an arrow knocked and have my bow hanging and ready and then I get everything else situated. Um, if you're now used to, I would actually bring up my backpack with my bow. I didn't like climbing with my backpack on, but it's pretty easy to do with the method that I'm using now. Um, now the reason I hurry up and get that bow up quick in the morning is because something could come in on you and you know, it, it could stop right there and bed down within shooting distance from your tree. And if you're not already, if you don't already have that bow up and ready, I mean, if that's the case, I will stop what I'm doing and I'm gonna stop setting up. You know, I get as comfortable as possible, but obviously, you know, I got a little flashlight in my mouth. 
Um, and I'll hurry up and turn that thing off if I hear a deer walking or an animal walking. And I'll just sit tight until they pass. Or like I said, they may bed down right close to you. And if, you, like I say, you want to have that bow ready as soon as possible because who knows, it might get light and there might be a nice buck right there. And you know, now you're ready to shoot him. You don't want to get caught with your pants down and that bow be on the ground. It's light out and you got to try and pull that thing up without that deer seeing you pull it up. Trust me, that's not an easy task. I've actually had that happen to me climbing down before. I lower my bow, start to get situated to climb down. Here comes two does and a real nice buck. And that bow is hanging there halfway down the tree. And those does are staring at it. And I'm, it's just a stalemate. I'm standing still, holding that bow string in my hands. My arms are shaking because I'm trying to, you know, slowly pull it up but not get seen. They end up busting me and running, all three of them run off. So you're going to have things like that happen no matter how good you get at it, no matter how many years you hunt. But there's little things you can do to mitigate the, the screw-ups. Like, uh, as I was just talking, another essential is a flashlight. You definitely want to have a flashlight for going in early in the morning in the dark and then coming out in the evening in the dark. Now, this is just me, but I prefer a little dim flashlight. I can't remember the brand I use. I think it's a Pelican brand, but it's, it's maybe five inches long. The top of it twists to turn on and twists to turn off. It takes, I think, three AAA batteries. I love that little thing because I can easily hold it between my teeth. Um, I like to have a super dim, dim flashlight, and I do my best to keep that sucker aimed right at the ground in front of me where I'm walking. I don't want to have a big bright headlamp. I've hunted, now this, not to knock anybody. Guys do different things. I know some guys that have killed a lot of decent deer, but I've also hunted with them and they go in with a headlamp and it's a super bright light. And I mean, it's so guys, it's instinct. It's just, it's in your blood that when you are walking through the woods in the dark and you hear a stick break 20 yards to your right or you hear some commotion, you you can't help it, your eyes go that direction. What do you think happens when a guy's walking in with a giant bright headlamp, he's freaking beaming that thing all around the woods and you can see him coming literally a mile away in the dark in the woods. I don't care how thick it is, you see him. His headlamp's beaming all around. That's why I, I like to carry that thing in my hand. I can, uh, sometimes I actually clip it on my bow and I'm carrying my bow in my hand. It's got a little clip on the side of it. And you, it's just, I just want it pointed at the ground right in front of me. I keep it, if it's on my bow, I'm able to keep it super low. If it's not on my bow, I'm holding it down below my waist, just right in front of me. Now, when I start to climb, I like it for how small it is because then I can put it in my mouth, have my hands free, and uh, I'll climb that way. But like I said, it's also super dim, so it's not going to shoot a big, super bright beam all around the woods. It's not like LED. It's just a super dim, super low profile light. Now, I do keep a, a, a bright headlamp in my pack just in case that thing were to go dead. But even still, I'll normally use my cell phone and keep it aimed down. But I do keep a brighter headlamp in my pack if I'm on a blood trail. Um, so it's, it's good to have both. It's always good to have a backup plan. Definitely redundancy is key for me. I also have a spare, one of those little pelicans normally in my pack as well. That way if mine goes dead, I can hurry up and grab another one. So flashlight is 100% an essential. Um, you got your flashlight, you got your rope to pull up your weapon after you get climbed and set up. I already mentioned safety harness if you're elevated. Um, yeah, you want to have some kind of hook that you can put. Uh, there are some that screw into the tree. You can hang your weapon on. You can hang your backpack on. Mine is just like I said, uh, it's like a little nylon belt and it clasps around the tree and then it's got multiple hooks so I can put a bunch of different things on it. Um, I think 
for the most part, that's it. A backpack that you can have your gear in. Um, it depends on, I guess, how are you going to find, once you find a good area, how are you going to mark the tree you want to sit in? There are different options. Obviously, you can use like the orange tape to mark your trail and mark the tree. I don't like that because everybody sees it. You can use uh, what are called night tacks. They're little thumbtacks and they're reflective. I used to use those back in the day before all these mapping systems came along and they were great. You could put one. I would normally not have one right off the road or right where any just anybody could see it. I'd know my initial location where I needed to enter the woods. And then once I got in 50 or 60 yards, then I'd have my first night tack and I'd have those trail tacks back to my tree. I'd mark my tree with like a double night tack. So I knew, okay, this is the one, this is the spot I like. This is where I need to climb. Anymore with Onyx, I just use that. You can you can mark your tree, you can find the best way in and out and then, and then uh, turn on your tracking thing. So for me, Onyx is an essential. I think it's like 30 or 35 bucks for the year for one stake and it is essential you can mark your tree you can mark mark anything you want with your onyx mapping system so for me onyx is definitely another big big essential but if you don't want to spend the money on the onyx you probably want to go with those night tacks now there are certain properties where you're not allowed to use those trail tacks but that comes back to what i mentioned earlier look at your rules and regulations what else is an essential for the beginner deer hunter? I'm trying to think of what all I keep in my pack. Um, I keep a little plastic baggie in the bottom of my pack with some paper and a pen in it. Uh, a lot of places you're required to tag that animal. I know where I live, you at least have to put like a temporary transportation tag on it with like your name address some other info like that so i do keep like a little roll of black electrical tape some paper and a pen that way i could throw a temporary tag on that animal to transport it um what else toilet paper i know that sounds silly but i normally go with napkins um i like to keep some some napkins in the bottom of my pack just in case nature calls when you're out there now guys you may not think about this being new, but just like if you have to use a restroom, at least kick all the leaves back, do what you have to do, and then cover it up with leaves. There's nothing that bums me out more than walking through the woods and seeing a big pile of toilet paper up against the base of the tree. Like, just have a little common courtesy, cover that up. It's just, it's just an eyesore and it's gross. So that's another essential, either a little half roll of toilet paper or like I like to use, I like a, I prefer McDonald's or like Taco Bell napkins because they're brown and uh, I can throw them down there, cover them up with leaves after I'm done. So that's kind of another essential. Um, I like to have like a Gatorade bottle to uh, urinate in. Now, a lot of people say, oh, the deer don't mind if they smell your pee. And I, I agree with that. It's not, they don't know that it's a human's pee. They, it, I mean, there's so many animals in the woods that are going to use the restroom. It's not that. For me, it's the noise factor. If I'm 20 feet up in a tree or 10 feet, whatever it is, and I have to pee really bad, you don't want to have to climb down for that. But if you pee out of a tree from that height, it is loud. It is really loud when it goes down there and, and hits the ground. Um, so that's why I like to have a Gatorade bottle or some kind of bottle with a wide top. That way you're not missing and making a mess. So that'd be another essential that I like to have. Um, let's see, what else do I carry in my pack? Obviously your release for your bow. If you're bow hunting, you always wanna make sure you keep your release. I have my release that's in my bow case the main one i shoot with and then i have a backup in my pack just in case i was to ever forget my release um i have been in the woods before and forgot my release tried to shoot at a doe with just my fingers and i completely missed her so make sure you have a release um 
Obviously, if you have a bow, you want to make sure you bring your arrows and quivers every time. I have also had that happen before. We'll shoot the evening before, let my quiver land, I think, on like a, a lawn chair out back. Put my bow up, just was so excited for the next day to go hunting. It was the opener. Literally get up in my tree, set up, not even thinking about it go to knock an arrow and I'm like where is my quiver so don't let that happen make sure you always have your quiver your release your arrows if you have a gun make sure you have your ammo um, guys I think that's pretty much everything that I keep in my pack and everything that I would take with me gear wise uh, so obviously this this podcast was just for the most part gear things that you need to get started deer hunting i can't think of anything else that a guy needs other than that's like essentials now there's other little things you might want um once it starts to get into late october november i like to have my little uh, rattling antler bag i don't rattle a whole lot but if if i'm you know five hours into a sit or sometimes right as the sun comes up, right as soon as we hit that legal shooting light in the morning, I'll crack out a rattle. I've, I've had luck with it. That's why I'm not against it. Uh, it took a lot of years, but it's all about time of year. It's all about time of day. And it really depends on if there's a buck with an earshot, what kind of mood he's in. A couple years ago, I called in a real nice, uh, real nice big 10 pointer. He didn't he didn't close the distance enough, but he was, he was close. He was, he was closing. And, uh, unfortunately he came to the open area where he thought he heard it from. And obviously he didn't see the, the deer that he was looking for. And he went back the way he came and went on his merry way. So I do like to have a rattle bag. There's different things. They got the black rack. You can use real deer antlers. Also a grunt call. I do like to have a grunt tube. It's adjustable. I can, uh, doe bleed. I've also got a little bleat can. I like to use that if I am gonna bleat at all. I just think it sounds the most realistic. I've done a sequence I actually called in of a big 10 that I shot a couple years ago with a grunt and a little bleat sequence. I didn't call him in directly. What had happened was a, a, uh, a real nice buck came in on the backside of my dad and he busted our scent trail where we walked in and he took off and I was trying to make a, some kind of attempt to call him back in. So this was aimed at him and I let out a little grunt sequence followed by a dopely and that brought in two like yearling does and they came in and they were stomping and freaking blowing and just raising all kinds of racket. And as soon as they pass through, I'm talking as soon as they pass through, a real nice tin came barreling through the thicket and he was not happy about whatever was going on over in his area. Um, I don't know that he heard the, the sequence that I let out or he just heard those two yearlings raising a ruckus, but he came barreling in and I shot him broadside at 20 yards. Um, so I do like to have the, the calls in my toolbox just in case I decide I need them. Sometimes I'll also use them if I've just been sitting, you know, for a long time. Um, also the first ever buck I shot, I swear that I grunted him in. I swear that I saw him up on top of this ridge and I started grunting. He went down the other side of the ridge and I, I let out a couple big grunts and then he ended up popping out uh, not far from me and came right to me. So, I, I have had some success with it. I've also had so many times that I've grunted or rattled and literally had absolutely nothing happen. So that can happen too. But you got to be aware, if you do grunt or rattle, you are essentially giving up your location. That's why I don't like to do it that often. I'd rather, I want to be in a location, uh, you know, and I want that deer to come by having no clue that I'm there. A lot of times you grunt or grunt or rattle and they come in on high alert and 
more times than not, a big mature guy is going to try and get downwind of you. He's going to circle you. Sometimes you may never see him. He may have circled you. I mean, some of the times I've said that I haven't seen anything, I may have got circled and winded, and I never even knew he was there. Because so many times I've seen those bigger bucks, they don't even, they don't even, uh, they don't even blow. They don't even let out that snore when they're spooked. All right, guys. So there were some more parts of this episode. But I did not realize recording from within this app I'm using cuts you off at one hour. So I apologize that it just cut off right there at the end. I think I covered everything that we really need to talk about when it comes to gear for getting started whitetail hunting. Stay tuned uh, and I will be doing a podcast for beginner tips, tactics, uh, little tricks, just just everything you need to know when it comes to actually getting in the woods and getting started whitetail hunting. All right, make sure you subscribe if you like the episode and uh, stay tuned for the next one. I'm out. Bye.